Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Open up your high school yearbook and you might find a section called Senior Superlatives, where certain members of the outgoing class are giving descriptive titles, such as Class Clown or Most Likely to Succeed. Charles Domery wasn't given a senior superlative upon graduating, but if he had, it probably would have been something like Most Likely to Put an All-You-Can-Eat Buffet Out of Business. Born in Poland in 1778, Charles grew up in a house with eight other brothers, And all nine children seemed to suffer from the same condition. They loved to eat. Actually, love is the wrong word. Charles and his brothers had to eat, constantly. When he was 13, young Charles started gaining a reputation for his unusual appetite, which involved eating his parents out of house and home. And that insatiable hunger often caused him to make unwise decisions. 13 happened to be the age at which Charles joined the Prussian army, which he quickly regretted. There was a food shortage at the time, and even though he'd been granted extra rations, the young soldier couldn't handle not being able to gorge himself at a moment's notice. During one particular battle, Charles traipsed across enemy lines and surrendered himself to the French. The opposing commander was taken with the boy's tenacity and offered him a melon. Charles wolfed it down immediately, rind and all. The French general then buttered him up with even more delicious eats, all of which culminated in Charles switching sides. He joined the French Revolution Army, but even their offer of double rations wasn't enough for him. While stationed near Paris for a year, Charles allegedly ate over 170 cats, and he didn't always kill them first. And when he couldn't find any real food, stray or otherwise, he filled his belly with four to five pounds of grass each day. But surprisingly, he wasn't a large person. Well, not around the middle. As an adult, he was tall for the time, measuring six feet three inches in height. His hair was long and brown, and it framed a pair of cool gray eyes, all which sat upon an average-sized body. Charles's eating habits only grew more atrocious as he got older, though. He wasn't known to cook his meat. In fact, he often threw it up if it was boiled or roasted first. And he didn't care what kind of meat it was. He ate anything and everything. While surfing aboard the French ship Oche, Charles witnessed one of his fellow sailors lose a leg to cannon fire. He then picked up the leg and went to town on it, ripping the flesh from the bone with his teeth, chomping away like it was one of those Renaissance Fair turkey legs. Another crewmate saw what was happening and fought Charles for the limb. He pried it from his hands and tossed it overboard. When he was taken prisoner by the British in 1798, Charles's captors were forced to feed him more and more rations each day. 
He was eventually eating enough for 10 men on a daily basis. He even ate the rats that crawled through his cell. The head of the prison eventually saw what he was capable of and placed him in the care of the Royal Navy's doctors, who conducted experiments on Charles. They wanted to see how much he could really put away. Everything kicked off on September 17th of 1799. Dr. J. Johnston and his colleagues began by feeding Charles four pounds of raw cow udder at four o'clock in the morning. Several hours later, he ate a dozen large tallow candles, five pounds of raw beef, and then drank an entire bottle of porter, all within the span of just one hour. At lunchtime, he swallowed another pound of tallow candles and five more pounds of beef, all of which he washed down with three more bottles of porter. He ate like someone who had never known what it was like to be full. Charles finished the rest of the beer and candles just after 6 p.m. and finally felt satiated. But the doctors weren't just shocked by the amount of food he had consumed. Not once did Charles vomit or go to the bathroom during the entire ordeal. He even danced a bit before heading to bed that night. So, what caused this man to eat an army's worth of food every day? His condition was attributed to everything from hyperthyroidism to a damaged amygdala. But the fact was that nobody knew exactly why one person could devour everything in his path without any negative side effect. Charles Domery was the kind of guy who could unironically say, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse, and then do so right before your eyes. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
If social media has taught us anything, it's that people will perform increasingly dangerous and stupid stunts as long as others are watching. Jumping off the roof into a pool, swallowing laundry detergent capsules, and dangling off high-rise buildings are just some of the idiotic things people have done for nothing more than a little internet clout. But before people were risking their lives for strangers online, they were doing it for strangers in real life. And one particular activity seemed to capture the world by storm during the 19th and early 20th century. Walking backward. Among the earliest attempts at long-distance backward walking was in a stunt performed by Englishman Darby Stevens. In 1817, he made a bet for 50 guineas that in 20 days, he would walk 500 miles. Apologies if the song is now stuck in your head. He was aided by a 600-foot-long rope that he held onto whenever necessary, but no one today knows whether he actually completed the trip. Daniel Crisp decided to try his luck the following day. He showed up at the same spot, but didn't use the rope. He managed to leisurely stroll 280 miles backward in just a week. The press was less than enthused by the effort, with one paper writing that walking backward, and I quote, is encouraged for the very worst purposes, and the public disgust will be still more excited when we state that it was meant to continue these vicious scenes throughout the whole of the summer. Several years later, another gentleman named John Townsend pulled off a number of backward-walking feats. Townsend, who hailed from Bath, England, started with a distance of 21 miles in just 6 hours and 45 minutes. He followed it up with a second walk, measuring 38 miles, which he completed in 12 hours. In 1823, Townsend traversed 73 miles in just 24 hours across Bristol, followed by a record-breaking 74 miles a few months later. During one busy period that year, he also managed to walk backward 64 miles every day for nearly two weeks. And frequent listeners to this podcast may remember Plenty Wingo, who walked around the world between April of 1931 and October of 1932. He became a minor celebrity, publishing a book about his travels and earning himself a spot on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show in the 1970s. But before Plenty, there was Patrick Harmon, he was born in Ohio in 1865 and got into backward walking around 1915 after moving to Seattle, Washington with a friend. They had been through a lot and were planning to start their lives over. Harmon settled into his new life in Washington by exploring the woods and mountains around his home backward. It became a regular hobby for him to walk the various local trains in reverse. However, in August of that year, he was nearly 50 years old and Harmon kicked off the walk of his life. And of course, it all happened because of a bet. A big one, too. His goal was to walk backward from San Francisco across the country to New York City. If he made it in 260 days, he would win a whopping $20,000. Harmon ventured out with his friend, William Balthazar, who walked ahead of him facing forward. Balthazar made sure that there was nothing in his buddy's path that might trip him up or cause him injury. Four days into his journey, Harmon reached California, the official starting point for his trip. Fifty-three days later, he arrived in Salt Lake City, Utah, covering an average of 22 miles per day. Harmon was in fine shape by this point, and attributed his success to the muscles that he had built up in his ankles. By December, he reached Nebraska, then Iowa, where he suffered frostbite on his nose and one of his ears, and yet still he kept on going. 
And for better or worse, his performance inspired others to follow in his footsteps, so to speak, including two boys in Iowa. One of those boys, a young man named Sam Quitno, bet $100 that he could walk a mile in 15 minutes backward. He even put up the money to show how serious he was. Others got in on the wager, and after a little bit, Sam jetted off. Spectators followed him in cars and trucks to keep track of his movements. He won with a final time of 14 minutes and 37 seconds. Meanwhile, Harmon headed off to Chicago, where a movie company made a film about his arrival in February of 1916. And finally, on May 22nd, three months later, Harmon had completed his trip to New York City. One paper described how he triumphantly climbed the steps of City Hall, backward, of course, and met with the mayor to honor his victory. And although he told everyone that he'd made it in only 239 days, a whole 21 days under the deadline, he had actually finished his cross-country trek in 291 days. Harmon eventually returned to Seattle, where he went back to his old job as a railroad worker. The $20,000 that he'd been promised never materialized, and it was believed that the wager hadn't ever truly existed. Patrick Harmon, whose real name was revealed to be Patrick O'Rourke, seemingly didn't do it for the money. He simply did it because he could. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.